Uh, we're in the third week of uh, a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. And the series is titled, New Nature, New Community. And last week, we looked at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And we're going to remain in this passage for one more week. And I've requested Pemia to read it out uh, for us. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pemia. This passage talks about how we were dead in our sinfulness, how Christ saved us, and how we now have a new nature and can live transformed lives. And last week we saw that at the core, at the very core of our sin, is that we are all incoatus in se. That's Latin for deeply curved inward on ourselves. We all take God's gifts and we take even God himself and we use it for ourselves in a selfish way. Because we are incoatus in se, we use everything but serve nothing. And that's why the reminder we had today morning was so helpful. But then God stepped in, in his love and mercy, he saved us by drawing us to faith in Christ Jesus, through his irresistible grace. And this work of Christ in us, which God initiates, sustains and completes, as we've been looking at through the book of Ephesians, gradually turns us into excavators exe beings. Excavators exe is Latin for turning outward, living outward. In Christ, we live turned outward, away from ourselves, looking to God and to our neighbors. In Christ, we're no longer curved inward on ourselves, but just as a plant always grows toward the light, we turn outward to serving God and others. That, in a nutshell, is this passage. But how exactly do incubators in say beings like us become Excavators, exe. How exactly 
does this transformation happen? We answered that a little bit last week, but we're going to really wrestle with that question uh, this morning. How do we, how are we transformed? Look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were seated, we are seated, according to this passage, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How could this be? Look, look around you. We're still very much in we work in Bandrakulla complex in Mumbai. As far as I can tell, we are not in the heavenly places. So how is this passage, the word of God, the truth of God, how is this passage declaring that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms? It is because of our union with Christ. Union with Christ. In our salvation, we were granted a union with Christ. And because of our union with Christ, we are indeed seated in our union with Christ in the heavenly places. And so essentially, incoatus inse beings, beings like us, curved inward on ourselves, we become Christ-like excavators exe beings because of our union with Christ. The key to this transformation that we are talking about, the key to this incredible transformation, the beautiful, the new beautiful being more valuable, more precious than the earlier broken, this transformation happens only because of our union with Christ. Union with Christ is such an underappreciated an underappropriated truth and doctrine. This truth of our union with Christ is underappreciated because many of us, we make one fundamental mistake in our understanding of how our salvation works. Let me take us back to Ephesians chapter 1 that we looked at a couple of weeks ago to, to illustrate this. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us that God has blessed us in Christ with every blessing in Christ. That's chapter 1, verse 3. God chose us and predestined us in Christ, verse 4. God adopted us in Christ, verse 4 again. God redeemed us in Christ, that's verse 7. God gave us an inheritance in Christ, that's verse 11. God gave us the seal of the Holy Spirit In Christ, that's verse 13. All these blessings outlined for us in Ephesians chapter 1 are in Christ. You know, as I have been reading, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, I'm willing to bet most of us have been hearing through Christ, through Christ, through Christ. I have been reading and the Bible is telling us in Christ, but we have been assuming through Christ. What's the difference 
between through Christ and in Christ. When we say through Christ, we are assuming that Christ has been working on us as an external person. When we say through Christ, the assumption beneath that is Christ is standing outside of us and he is giving us these blessings of justification and sanctification, etc. from the outside. And when I kept reading in Christ, was this not what you were assuming? That Christ is outside of us, saving us, justifying us, sanctifying us. On the other hand, when we say in Christ, the assumption is not that Christ is working from outside of us, but because of our union with Christ, because we are united with Christ, Christ has been working on us from the inside because of our union with Christ. Through Christ assumes that Christ is saving us from the outside. He's an outsider standing outside of us, saving us. In Christ assumes our salvation is in our union with Christ. Let me illustrate this, this difference between through Christ and in Christ. And what you assume, what we assume, is going to shape our lives. What we assume about the salvation we have in Christ is going to shape our lives. So what's the difference between the two? Let me illustrate this. Imagine you're looking for a job. And a friend who's, uh, who's at an influential company, you know, let's say Google, because that's a sort of a company to work for. Let's say your friend in Google uh, recommends you strongly. And you go for an interview and you get the job. You would come back and tell everyone that you got the job through him. And you're, of course, grateful to him. Imagine, on the other hand, that you feel that your spouse needs a break. That's a hint. <laughs> and, and, and you book a vacation for, for you and your spouse in a really nice resort. You don't go to that resort on a vacation through your spouse. No, no, no. You don't go through your spouse. You go to the vacation in union with your spouse. That's the difference between seeing our salvation as something that happens to us through Christ, with Christ on the outside, and something that happens to us in our union with him. Union, is, union with Christ is not just something that we look forward as his bride for the day he will come back again, but union with Christ is something we experience here and now. And which is why this passage says we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, in the present tense. What have you assumed about your salvation all these years? Have you been assuming that Christ is saving us from the outside? Or have we been living in the reality that Christ is saving us by being in union with us. And here's another, I think, even more important question. Which of these two do we really want? Think about it. Do we want Christ saving us from the outside, not ideally, but practically, functionally, in our day-to-day -day lives, what would we rather have? Would we have Christ saving us from the outside or do we want Christ saving us by being 
in union with us. I think one of the reasons this truth, this beautiful truth and doctrine of our union with Christ is so underappreciated is because we don't want it. We don't want it. For many of us, for myself, union with Christ can be very inconvenient. If we are in union with Christ, he is an insider. If Christ is indeed an insider, we have to change on the inside. See, if Christ is in us and we are in Christ, if we are experiencing, if we are living in union with Christ, we cannot continue living as incubators, insane being, curved in on ourselves. On the other hand, a salvation that is only through Christ is quite convenient. Now, we can sit, uh, receive forgiveness, receive salvation, receive justification, receive sanctification uh, with Jesus just as an outsider helping us from the outside. We can take all the help he's willing to give us and we can thank him for it and remain the sinful beings we want to be. A true Christ salvation is convenient because we can receive forgiveness from the outside without really changing from the inside. So if we are assuming a true Christ salvation, a true Christ salvation, we're probably living just as a mere fan of Christ Jesus. On the other hand, if we are assuming a union with Christ salvation, it's a lot more likely that we will live as true disciples of Christ in compassion, in justice, making other people's problems our problems. That's the difference between living in a true Christ salvation and living in union with Christ in an in Christ salvation. Sadly though, in reality, there is no such thing as a true Christ salvation. There is only one salvation, and that is a union with Christ's salvation. There is no salvation apart from a union with Christ. Imagine a cable car. You've perhaps been on one. Um, a cable car, every cable car uh, is hanging on a line and is moving back and forth uh, on an incredibly strong line. And this line is strong enough to take the weight of the cable cars. This line will never break. Think of all the glorious blessings of, of justification, of sanctification, etc. as cable cars. Each of these blessings that we have in the gospel of Christ Jesus, imagine that as a cable car, then each of these blessings of justification, sanctification, adoption are hanging on this line called union with Christ. We all see the cable cars, but we rarely notice the line, don't we? So we see justification, sanctification, adoption, we enjoy that. But we don't always realize that these blessings that we have in Christ Jesus are hanging on from this line called union 
with Christ. Union with Christ is there all through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to, I, w- I, w- I don't have time for this today, but we're going to be walking through that in the weeks to come. But now that I've established uh, the centrality of this doctrine and truth of union with Christ, I'm going to take some time to very quickly and very practically show us how this plays out in our day-to-day lives. I'm going to draw just a couple of applications and I'm going to invite you to use your imagination in the context of your life to draw more applications through the week. The first application. When we live in the realization of our union with Christ, it becomes harder to sin intentionally. If we believe in a mere through Christ salvation, where Christ saves us from the outside, it is quite easy to give in to many sins. Because Jesus is on the outside, you see. We can shut him off outside while we indulge in intentional sin on the inside. But the truth is we are all saved only in our union with Christ. So when we are sinning intentionally, we are sinning intentionally in our union with Christ. When we sin intentionally, we sin intentionally in our union with Christ. How does that make you feel? Can we really keep on sinning intentionally when we live in the remembrance of our union with Christ? Paul captures this beautifully in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Another picture of the union, our union with Christ in the Bible. Do you not know that your bodies are members with Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Now do you see how the doctrine of our union with Christ is so inconvenient if we want to keep giving in to the pleasure of sinful indulgences. As I said earlier, I wonder, I wonder if this beautiful doctrine of our union with Christ is underappreciated because if we appreciate it, if we appropriate it, we can't keep on sinning. That's one practical application. I can give you quite a few more, but I'm going to just share one more. When we live in the realization, in a day-to-day functional head, heart, hand realization of our union with Christ, we find great encouragement for our sanctification. I'm sure every one of us here, without exception, feel like good Christians on some days, and we feel like bad Christians on some days, and I'm sure we all feel like terrible Christians on other days. We all have good days in our faith and, and, and bad days in our, in our faith, in our perception. But think about this. If we truly understand, appreciate, and internalize this reality of our ongoing, inalterable, and unbreakable union with Christ, will we indeed 
feel like good Christians on some days and bad Christians on some days. Ultimately, our Christianity, our Christianness, our Christ-likeness is based on nothing else except our union with Christ. So if we truly are experiencing and are aware of our union with Christ, our good days are just the same in union with Christ as our bad days. How does that make you feel? Our union with Christ is the very foundation from which every assurance of our salvation springs forth. How can we be so assured? How can we find eternal assurance of our salvation? It's because we are united with Christ. A union with Christ is the very foundation from which every power for our sanctification springs forth. The Puritans defined union with Christ like this. Because of our union with Christ, what is true of Christ is always also true of us. You see, we are united with him. We are one with him. Christ in us and us in Christ. Because of our union with Christ, his nature becomes our nature. And it is only through union with Christ that incubators in say beings curved in word on ourselves become Christ-like, always looking to God the Father and to our neighbors. It is only union with Christ that brings about this transformation. That's the question I set out to answer at the beginning of the sermon. How do people like us, how are people like us changed in the gospel? We are changed, we are transformed more and more into the image and likeness of Christ through our union with him. There's so much more to be said about our union with Christ. We're going to talk about that as we go along in the book of Ephesians. But for now, I'm going to close with this one thought. So often, we mistake how exactly we are saved. We so easily assume and live as if Christ saved us from the outside. We so easily forget that all of our salvation begins and flows with our union with Christ. So often, even on Sundays, we live unaware of this reality, this unshakable reality of our union with Christ. We forget, we forget, we forget. But Christ never forgets. We may forget our union with Christ. Christ never forgets his union with us. Jesus did not sign up for the cross merely to save us from the outside. No. Christ Jesus, the Son of God, he signed up for all the shame and suffering and rejection on the cross so that we would enjoy an unbreakable union with him. On the cross, as he lay hanging, as he lay dying there on the cross. On the cross, when our Lord Jesus took on the just punishment from the Father for all of our sins, all of your sins and mine, upon himself, there came a moment when he was separated from the Father and he cried out in dereliction, My God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus even endured being forsaken by his father so that we could always enjoy an ongoing, inalterable, and unbreakable union with Christ. I'd like to lead us straight into the Lord's Supper with a simple prayer. The prayer is going to come up on screen. Would you join with me in prayer? If you so feel of reading out aloud, you're welcome to do that. If you want to pray it quietly in your heart, you're welcome to do that. It's going to come up for us on screen. Father, please help me always remember that I was in union with Christ before the foundation of the world when you chose me and predestined me in Christ. That's Ephesians 1. Lord Jesus, please help me always remember that I am in union with you in your life when you obeyed your Father perfectly on our behalf. Lord Jesus, please help me always remember that I am in union with you in your death as you paid the full penalty for our sins. Lord Jesus, help me always remember that I am in union with you in your resurrection as you triumphed over death on our behalf. Lord Jesus, help me always remember that I am in union with you in your ascension as you entered the very presence of the Father as our representative. Lord Jesus, please help me always remember that I am in union with you in your session at the Father's right hand and in all that you are doing to redeem this world. Lord Jesus, help me always remember that because I am in union with you, all that is true of you is true of me. May the Lord's Supper that I'm about to participate in by faith empower me to remember and live in a constant realization of my union with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.